and welcome to The Turning Point, a weekly show that's being created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Today's guest is Matt Miller, who spent the first nine years of his career as an Air Force pilot. That's my dream. Uh, before entering the private sector to work in both the medical device and advertising industries. While a top performer in the corporate world, his long-term desire was to be his own boss. A good, a good friend one day mentioned the gumball machines that he and his young daughter owned, and that conversation began a 10-year business quest that has brought Matt's company, School Spirit Vending, to the cutting edge of both vending and school fundraising industries. Now, that certainly sounds like a good topic to cover. So, Matt, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so, there's quite a lot of varied things there. Air Force pilot, medical, advertising, and then vending. I can't wait to hear all about it, but let's, let's certainly start in the Air Force. Yeah, so uh, I started, went to the Air Force Academy in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado for college. It's a military school that uh, is a four-year degree, and in, in exchange for the education, you owe uh, the government a period of time. I think at the time, it was five or six years of service as an officer in the Air Force, so I went there for school, and my junior year at school... Uh, had to decide what my career path was going to be and found out that I was medically qualified at fly, meaning my eyes were, were good and all that and didn't want to get FaceTime with the three-star general and start in charge of the academy. So even though I never really had aspirations to be a pilot, I decided to go to pilot training anyway. Um, ended up spending six years in Lubbock, Texas, where I went through my year of pilot training and then was asked to come back right away and be an instructor pilot in a supersonic jet called the T-38. Wow. And then my last three years in the Air Force, I was out in Dover, Delaware, flying the C-5 transport, which is the second largest airplane in the world, and got a chance to travel all over the world. Uh, never knew when I was leaving, never knew when I was coming back. And even though it was kind of an exciting lifestyle for a while, it got old pretty quick, especially once we started to have kids. So my commitment was up to the government at that point in time and decided to, you know, make my break to the corporate world from there. I mean, after one year of training, you get called back to this like super school. That must have felt pretty good. Considering well, you, you never really intended to be a pilot. Well, what's crazy, Daniel, is I was real close to washing out of pilot training in my first couple of months because I, I had never flown an airplane before. You know, the academic load required to learn about the airplane and the systems and all the things that make flying happen was pretty strenuous. And I don't have any kind of mechanical background at all. In fact, I still don't even know how to change the oil in my car today. <laughs> so, so it was a struggle for me to begin with. And eventually I figured it out and slowly but surely got comfortable in the airplane. And then the second half of pilot training was in the T-38, which I ended up being the instructor pilot in. And a good portion of that six months is formation flying. 
And for whatever reason, God blessed me with hand-eye coordination that is, that is pretty, pretty good. And so I went from ne- being near the bottom of my class to being near the top of my class in the second six months because I was so comfortable flying that close to another airplane. Wow. Sounds awesome. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's like you say, the, this hand-eye, hand-eye coordination, it's like, yeah, well, I might, I might not have any of the background that goes with sort of the, the theory and things like that, but put me in it, performance is there. Yeah, and of course, I never would have known in, in my wildest dreams that that was the case. And like I said, I was on the verge of actually washing out in the beginning of pilot training, but thankfully, uh, you know, it's a whole year and not just six months and things clicked and, and things completely turned around. So it was pretty awesome. And I would imagine that when you mentioned that your, your commitment to the government was up and it was, it was a bit more of a shift towards uh, family after, after nine years and you went, did, did you start in the medical industry first? Yeah, I spent about a year and a half selling hospital uh, diagnostic equipment for like blood analysis and urinalysis type equipment. Um, I was in and out of hospital laboratories all over uh, the southern part of Texas outside of Houston. And I did pretty well at that. But the challenge that I had was that I kind of had a route and I had a group of hospitals that I was expected to work with. And I kind of went from hospital to hospital each week, talking to the same people, getting the same reasons why they didn't need my product or, or why they didn't want to try this or that. And I got bored really, really quickly. And so I was kind of starting to look to see what else was out there. And a good friend of mine who I had uh, known previously had gotten hired by a company called Advo, which at the time they were the nation's largest direct mail company. And he was just raving about the job and what he was doing. And, and they were looking for other people. And he said, hey, Matt, you should check this out. And one thing led to another. And I ended up working there for the next decade and, and really excelling in the advertising space during that time. And were you working directly with clients to sort of uh, advertise their services? Or what, what was the deal there? Yeah, I was working with companies like... Uh, Midas muffler shops, uh, Chick-fil-A, for any of your listeners who are familiar with Chick-fil-A here in the States, the fast food uh, chain, um, DirecTV, Dish Network, you know, companies like that, along with a lot of more local clients were ones that, that I spent most of my time working with, help, helping them grow their businesses, utilizing uh, direct mail to do it. I guess you're learning things there and developing your own skills and, and without knowing it, realizing that you're making your life in the future better considering that you in 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 a short period of time you're going to be running your own business yeah one of my philosophies that i learned during that time was that to create a win-win for myself and my customer a, a lot of people in our office yeah, they were trying to create wins as much as they could but they were more driven by the actual numbers and selling And oftentimes the company would come down and say, okay, we need you to sell this now because they have some arbitrary number to make the stockholders, you know, uh, and and to make the books look better in relation to whatever it was, you know, the corporate initiatives were. 
to be honest, I chose to ignore that most of the time <laughs> because oftentimes those products had been proven not to be as effective for clients in most cases. And, you know, the reason why I had such a long career working about a third of the time that my peers did and near the top of uh, my game in that world was because I created win-win situations. I found programs that got the clients, the customers that they needed and helped them grow their business to the level that they needed to where they kept coming back wanting more without me having to do a whole lot of selling after I showed them initially the program and how it would work. And, and so while many were out whining and dining customers and doing all that kind of stuff, once again, I was focused on my evenings and weekends with my family and didn't want to get in the, the business of, of that, you know, after hours type stuff. Mm -hmm. So I spent time making wildly profitable campaigns for my clients. It alleviated most of the trouble. It alleviated a lot of time that I had to be face to face with them because they wanted to run their businesses and wanted me to do my part. And it freed me up. To, to not only spend time with a family, but to begin to put things together on the side business-wise as well. Yeah, and I mean, you just mentioned there that you didn't have to do much selling. Well, why would you? You're, you're already doing a great job that they can see the value in, so you don't need to. They're just going to come to you because you're that go-to guy who's going to get things done. Right. So they didn't bother with me. I didn't mess with them. And it was, it was a happy relationship for, <laughs> for a lot of years. What, what was the pivotal point? Um, following on from there, because obviously from what you've just said, you, you're doing pretty good um, and you're at the top of your game. What, what, why the change? Why, why was this sort of, I want to be my own boss kind of thing? Where did that come from? Was it an instant thing? Was it something that was always lurking in the back of your mind? I'm sure it was always kind of lurking, but here's what happened. My first full year in the advertising space, I ended up being number two in the country of 750 reps. Part of it was right place at, at the right time. Part of it was just my willingness to hustle and to get out and do what I needed to. Anyway, my boss ended up increasing my quota the next year about 93%. Now, the average quota increase in the office was 5 to 10%. But she thought, well, man, Matt's got this book of business. It's going to continue to grow because of the trends, et cetera. So we're going to put a bunch of extra work on on Matt's shoulders, because he's going to be able to take care of it anyway. Well, I lost a bunch of clients because that wasn't the case. And um, DirecTV and Dish Network was where I was doing a lot of my business at the time. And many of the local dealers ended up, uh, you know, moving on to do other things as they began to consolidate their industry. Well, so that decision cut my income in half the second year. So I went from being a hero to a zero overnight. And my family went from being in a fairly good place financially to being in a deep hole. And all I had to do was look at the corporate compensation plan to realize that there's no way I was going to be able to work my way out of that anytime soon. And so out of necessity, I started doing some stuff on the side. Initially, my son and I collected aluminum cans and, and traded them in as scrap metal. Uh, I did sold used books online with amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com and several other 
their websites. The challenge with all of that, Daniel, is I had read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm sure you and many of your audience have listened, have read. If you haven't, you need to read it. Because in his book, he talks about this whole concept of passive income and making money while you sleep. And I bought into his whole thought process. The challenge was he did it in real estate. Well, I I didn't even have enough money to own my own house, let alone have rental property. So that really didn't work for me. But that friend of mine that you mentioned in the intro who had the gumball machines from church with his daughters, that is what really, you know, led to my entrepreneurship journey and my turnaround. Because even though gumballs are only a quarter here in the States, um, there's a thousand percent markup on a gumball. Wow. And so, you know, you get the machine, you place it in a location, and then you come back, you know, four, six, eight weeks later, and there's money there that you didn't have to do any work for after you initially placed the machine. So I saw a way that I could start to leverage uh, those machines to help, help me, you know, create more money without requiring any more time to do it. And slowly but surely, as I had the money, I bought used vending equipment. And after about a year and a half, I had about 125 locations in and around Houston, Texas, had ventured into toys and temporary tattoos and stickers at that time as well. And, you know, that was the beginning of starting to work my way out of that hole because of that financial turning point that I, that I had had, you know, about a year and a half or two years before. I mean, that sounds like a hell of a lot of growth. You know, I was out every night, every weekend. I, I was I was busting my rear. You know, I mean, so I this is this is all whilst you've you've got a full time job, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, a father of three, a husband active in my church, a uh, full time job, and then doing the vending on the side. You must have like medals and gold stars and just in your pockets and over your head and all that kind of because that's a hell of a lot of work right there you know when you're in a hole and and you have you know you're worried about whether you're going to be able to provide for your family the next month or not you know you you're willing to do whatever you got to do and i i didn't have any choice if i was comfortable i probably would, would have never gotten out of my comfort zone to do the work that i had to do so but do i didn't you- have any choice so you, you think because of that second year in the industry, if that hadn't have happened, you wouldn't be doing the things that you are today? I probably would be a business owner of some kind, but there wouldn't have been the sense of urgency and uh, it would have taken me longer for sure. And chances are I, I, you know, might not, you know, have developed the passive income that we have today because, um, because of my desire, you know, to have more of a lifestyle business and then just instead of just creating another full-time job for me that, that I own completely. No, I, I entirely get that. We often, uh, we often as humans and individuals find out exactly who we are when we're, uh, when we have our backs up against the wall, don't we? No doubt. Which is proven point with exactly what, what you just said. Um, but I guess, I guess the, what led you to do that, um, which was 
sort of it was not not necessarily your own fault i mean there's a lot of pressure from from your employer right there and some some of the clients that you lost not really down to uh you yourself because like you said they were consolidated um, right so the things that you had to do aside from all the sort of the hustling and all this time and dedication you've got to go in there and then sort of turning it into this business there must have been a few stumbling blocks that you got know, in your way yeah i mean and here's the thing daniel i didn't know anything about vending i taught myself vending i got a couple of books on amazon.com i found a yahoo group at the time who uh, i could glean some information uh, from here and there and slowly just by getting out and getting in the action mode i figured this thing out i you know i got told hundreds of, no hundreds of times but i didn't have a choice and after i put that very first vending machine in and because my i had never used the vending machines my kids never used them but i put that very first vending machine in a karate studio in my local community where i lived and after two weeks, I, I had to know, are, are people actually using this thing? And I went in there, put the key in the machine. It was uh, on a Thursday night, and the place was packed with kids for their karate classes. And quarters spilled out all over the floor. And I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> people do actually use these <laughs> machines. And, and that's, when I, that's when I knew. I was like, I have found my answer. All I've got to do is get some more of these machines and leverage their position out there in my community and around Houston. And all of a sudden I'm creating over time, thousands of dollars of income on the side that I'm only having to spend a few hours a month to, to create myself. And that is what enabled me to start working my way out of that hole. And then, you know, the transition into school fundraising and stickers is where, uh, yeah, I went from being just a, a typical vending operator, like there are many out there across America and I'm sure the UK today, and, and then finding a niche that we pretty much own today and um, allowed me to take things to an even completely higher level. I mean, just on, just on this vending uh, thing, like I say, you, you didn't know anything about it. And until this conversation with a friend, you would have never, ever thought that that's what you'd be going into. So do you ever just look back and just laugh to yourself and just think, I'm in the vending industry. I mean, how, how the hell did that happen? Do you, know what I'm, do, you know what I'm, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because think about it. I mean, here I was in America, the, the, the military academies of which the Air Force Academy is one, along with West Point and Annapolis, for the army and the navy they're they're like a one of the pinnacles of education um you know there were sixty thousand people that applied to go to the air force academy the year that i applied and only about 13 or 1400 of us got accepted so the competition was very very fierce um in order to get accepted into a place like that so you know Everyone, myself included, was like, okay, so I'm going to have a military career and I'll probably be a general someday and, and you know, fly and do all that kind of stuff. And, and one of the things I learned about myself along the way is I, I like change. I like to do new things. I like new challenges. After I've been doing something for a while, I get bored. And so I've, I've reinvented myself essentially three different times 
about a decade at a time. You know, I was in the Air mm-hmm. Force and a pilot for about nine years. I was in the corporate space for about 10 years. I've been, uh, we've been, you know, School Spirit Vending, my current company has been around for about 10 years. And so I, I've learned that about myself over time that I need to keep, keep changing things up a little bit as time goes on. Yeah, and I guess it, like you say, you only need to change that thing. You're always continually developing and it forces you to find something else that you can almost feed in, well, it, what you could feed back into what you're doing at the minute. Right. And all the step of the way through that process, I learned little bits and pieces to where when the whole vending thing came up, I was prepared. You know, today I run a team of just shy of a hundred franchisees and their families. There are several hundred families that depend on our business today. And the reason why I've been blessed and have the ability to, to have the responsibility to that group of people is because of all the things that I had to go through and learn along the way to prepare me for this role that I'm in today. Yeah. Um, and that we learn um, a lot of the things uh, by the mistakes that we make as well. Um, because it forces us to get out of a little, uh, like us to be um, use our initiative and, uh, and be creative uh, in other ways to, to move ourselves forwards. Right. Um, but I, I just want to dip into this, uh, this, the school fundraising that you, you briefly mentioned, just let's, let's dive into that. Cause that's obviously following on from vending, isn't it? Yeah. So I had, you know, 125 to 150 locations. This was back in 07 and 08. Are these single vending machines or multiple of these locations? Uh, some of them multiple because I had ventured into toys and, and stickers and temporary tattoos and, and more full-scale uh, vending equipment by then as, as I got more money and had the, you know, the ability to cash flow other stuff. But um, 07 and 08 hit. Of course, the market here in the U.S. tanked and the economy went south in a big way. And the money that I was making was cut in about half just because of what was going on in the economy. And I was frustrated because I had put all this work in. I was finally getting somewhere financially. And then it was like my legs were cut out from under me. And right around that time, Daniel, I had several young kids come selling me stuff at my house for local school fundraising. They were about the age of my kids, elementary age or just a little bit older. Their parents were not with them, and I didn't know the kids. So there were complete strangers knocking on strangers' houses. Well, as a parent, that made me really uncomfortable. But it got me thinking, first off, what are kids doing running around the neighborhood raising money for their schools? And is there a way that I could help those schools out get some kids off the street and also potentially stabilize my vending business. Mm -hmm. And since I had been in the print advertising world, I knew a little bit about printing. I knew a little bit about graphic design and and what goes into that. And so I came up with this whole idea of doing mascot stickers for schools with their mascot and their colors and then, and putting sticker vending machines in the school as a passive fundraiser all year round for the school. And it worked and schools got excited about it. And slowly I had friends and family 
and other people around me see what I was doing and, and ask if they could be a part of it as well. And so initially it was me and then it was a group of people. We set up a distributorship model and a licensing agreement with them. We taught them the ropes and in exchange for teaching them, we got a, a little bit of a, a royalty each and every month uh, based on their revenue. And we slowly over seven and a half years put that together. Well, I had kind of hit a, a stagnation point because my whole goal was to be financially independent and no longer work for anybody else. And a little over six years ago, that happened. So my, my dreams, my aspirations were met. And so for a while there, I just kind of sat back and, you know, hung out and took naps in the afternoon and, <laughs> and to be honest, got a little bit bored. And then I realized I needed to really get out and challenge myself, develop some new relationships, learn some new friend, new things. And so I started attending conferences. Uh, I went to several Seth Godin events. I went to conferences of a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey out of Nashville, Tennessee. Dave's a well-known financial uh, radio talk show host here in the States, et cetera. And at one of those events, I met a guy by the name of Aaron Walker that about six months later, I hired as my business coach. And that changed everything. Because after he and I got to know each other, he started challenging my thought processes and the way I looked at the world. And he also started challenging me on how big I could truly grow this vending thing in schools. And I'll never forget, this was about two years ago, we were on my weekly call. He said, you know what, Matt? I've been doing some research. Do you have any idea how many schools there are out there that you're not in right now? So I'm excited about what you guys have done in the last seven and a half years, but it seems to me that the only reason why you're not working with those schools is they don't know who you are yet. So let's get busy and figure out how to let them know who you are. That conversation led to me consulting my attorney, doing some other research, and then being told by my attorney that the best route to be uh, going moving forward was as a franchise. And so about 19, 19 months ago, we started franchising school spirit vending here in the States. And uh, our team has grown about 150% in the last 15 months or so. Wow. It's just, it's, we're, it's on fire. I mean, we found a niche uh, to help schools and because we're a family oriented business and can teach busy professionals how to make money on the side with a limited time commitment, we, um, you know, have found a niche where a lot of people want to be because uh, they, they don't want to have all their eggs in one basket. They want to diversify their income and we have a business model that enables them to do that, have their family involved and also do it on just a few days a month so that they can continue their career like I did for years before becoming, you know, a full-time entrepreneur. I mean, what, that sounds like a fairly sizable um, task to undertake, fran franchising something. So what, what sort of things did you come up against during that phase of your empire growth, <laughs> to say? <laughs> you know, thankfully... Because I was a pilot for years, pilots live by checklists. 
because it's very complex system an airplane and you need those checklists to make sure that you're doing the right things at the right time in a flight to keep everybody safe. And so I was used to living by checklists. So it made sense for me to put systems and checklists and processes in place as I was building the business, not realizing that I was literally doing the things that I needed to do to be a franchise. I just needed to have the legal work done in order to establish it as such with the government. And so I read several books on franchising. I uh, was referred to and hired a franchise attorney. And over seven, several months time, he stepped me through the process. The way we conduct business today is very similar to, to the way we always have. It's, we're just now formally a franchise, whereas we weren't before. And it's enabled us to grow in areas of the country we never could before. It's gotten us a lot more recognition and accolades because of it. Uh, we're in the process of doing some testing and are hopefully going to be launching in Canada before long. And it, it's just a really exciting time to see things come together the way they are. You've just put a huge smile on my face because you just backed up entirely what um, one of my previous guests on the show has said. And it was a guy called Kirk Pickstone. And he said, you will always have transferable skills no matter what. And you've done exactly that. Like you're saying, this mentality you've had from being in the military and you've done it and it's helped you in the, well, 30 years later. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. But But it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just compounded exactly what he said that you, no matter what, I mean, that's the military. Now we're talking about franchising vending. I mean, find the connection. Oh yeah. It's in a mindset. Do you know what I mean? The transferable skills. I mean, that's, it couldn't fit any better for, for me personally. Anyway, it's, that's awesome. That's, I've got a huge smile on my face. You, you got to get out there and live your life. I, I, I kind of compare it to a puzzle and you and I have this puzzle that is our life that we get to build and every experience we have, every, you know, mistake, every failure, every success, every person we potentially meet is another piece of that puzzle that over time we get to put together and which ultimately is the life that we choose to lead. And I can look back and see when numerous puzzle pieces were added to my puzzle, puzzle me at the time having no idea why but they were just part of the experience that God needed me to go through to prepare me for where I am today. And so I encourage folks to get, get excited about putting your puzzle together. And there was a period of time I didn't even get a chance to mention when, when school spirit vending was really getting started. I I already told you how busy I was already. I added uh, delivering pizzas for pizza hut. Um, about 15 to 20 hours a week on top of that for 18 months. Although that many hours in a day. (laughs) I I figured it out, man, because I didn't have enough seed capital and the business was growing so quickly. I had, was not in a position to borrow money because my credit rating was lousy and I didn't have a choice and I needed to do something that didn't require really any thought. 
I could show up, you know, make $15, $20 an hour doing it. And even though it was a very humbling experience, especially in light of what I had done previously, it was one of those steps along the way that I had to take in order to get where I needed to go. And I look back on that fondly today, but, but it, it, you know, it wasn't fun at the time for sure. No, no, but I'm glad you said that you look back on it fondly because um, uh, a close friend uh, said um, that if you have to deliver pizzas to keep your dream alive, then give yourself a pat on the back because you're still going and moving towards your dream. And you've done exactly that. No doubt. So fair play to the people that have to do that and anybody who has to do something similar to that, give yourself a pat on the back and don't feel down and shut out about it. I mean, you're still going for it. You're still going for the greater good. So crap, well done. Well done. I like that. I mean, you, you're just ticking all the boxes here for me today, Matt. <laughs> um, so out of everything, and I mean, there doesn't have to be just one thing. Uh, what would you say is the, the biggest uh, thing that you would pass on to somebody that would are going through these sort of life cycles at the minute, these changes, what, what's the, what are the things that you've learned that you think have benefited you the most? Keep your eyes wide open. Uh, don't be so proud that you won't take an opportunity like delivering pizzas or like starting a vending business, even though you're a busy, you know, quote unquote professional with a college degree. You know, too many people are too proud and, and in the process they limit their opportunities and they close their mind to so many things. You know, I'm sure I still have people in my history that know me that are scratching their head today wondering, okay, from Air Force pilot to vending machine operator, it doesn't compute with them, but that's okay. I'm not doing it for them. So to be honest, I don't care what they think. I was doing it for me and my family. And, you know, today it, it looks and appears like a pretty, pretty smart idea um, to those on the outside. But there's, you know, a lot that would never take those steps and be willing to put in that effort knowing that it's going to take some time. You know, this is also a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, but get rich quick, guys, does not exist. Yeah. You know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, talks about 10,000 hours to be great at anything. Get excited about your 10,000 hours and get busy putting them in so that you can reach that expertise level and that pinnacle that you're striving for. But to think that there's a shortcut, it doesn't exist. You know, the people that are showing you online pictures of themselves laying on the beach, you know, they hired those models and, you know, they're probably leveraged up to the hilt with their credit cards to be on that beach with their laptop in most cases because that's not reality for most people. Well, no, it's everything that you see on Instagram, isn't it? That's the problem. But for those people that don't get that, and like you've just mentioned, okay, like military to vending, they, they're not, they're probably never get it. But for the people that are good doing their own thing and, and going down their own route to what, for what you've done, they've got to be just thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. That's, it's everything that you've just said is like, what, 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 vending, what? Wow. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of the, like you said, it's 
look open, like be open to what, what the things that are going to come your way. Because like, like you said, you would never have thought you'd be going into vending when you were in advertising. Right. It's, it's because of the events that happen in our lives and how we react to them that shape where we're going to end up. Yep. No doubt. And it's quite blunt. And I, I ask everybody this on the show, was it worth it? Everything that you've been through, like the, you know, lows, Daniel, the lows and the lows. I, I wouldn't trade any of it. Looking back on it now, it, it, provides with a backdrop for the success that we have today and it gives me a foundation to continue to grow and push the limits and the boundaries and try new things you know one of the things that that we've started here in the last few years in support of the kids that are our customers I was inspired to read comic book or inspired to read by reading comic books as a kid and because we're, we have millions of students that are customers of ours potentially every year now, I feel an obligation to continue to give back and to, to influence them in a positive way, any way that we can. And so I started a comic book company three years ago. And initially, the, the little four-panel comics showed up with each vend that came out of our machines uh, today, we have eight full-length comic books. We, we have our first children's novel that has been published, and we've got the second novel that'll be done in about a month. Um, and we're beginning to utilize that content to help encourage kids and educate kids and to provide wholesome content that moms and dads can be uh, not be concerned about that their kids are reading. And so, you know, here we are again, Matt dipping his toe into some, into another area. Um, well, it is at that 10 year point, right? Um, you know, we're going to continue to do school spirit vending because it's the right thing to do for a lot of reasons. But now this comic book thing is really starting to take on a life of its own. And, and we're really starting to see a positive impact we're making by providing wholesome content that parents can be confident in, that kids love to read. And, and there's no telling where that's going to go in the next couple of years. But uh, I'm blessed to be along for the ride for sure again i did not see that coming <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome and then i say everything's going back um just to help and it's it's awesome that you're in a position to be able to do that and and just be able to help uh, help the kids and things like that and like you say is get them get them into reading like you say you started for you reading comics so give, give, give the comics to other people and get them into reading. Right. You're a saint, my friend, a saint. <laughs> um, but how can people uh, get in touch with you? Because I'm, I'm sure people are going to have a few more questions. I'm just going to say, wow, awesome. Uh, there's a couple different ways, Daniel. First off, uh, I wrote a short ebook a few years ago called Live Your Dreams, The Top 10 Reasons Why You Need to Own a Vending Business. Mm. And uh, we've set up a landing uh, page just for the Turning Point audience. Oh, they, cool. can go to, they can go to ssvbusiness.com forward slash turning point and they can download that ebook for free. Hopefully it will, if nothing else, get them thinking about vending as another avenue uh, that might be viable for them on the side as they're figuring out 
up what their path is. Um, if they want to talk about the franchise, uh, I'd be more than happy to talk about that as well. If, if that's something that appeals to them um, on the comic book side, like I said, we've released eight comics. Uh, we have a bundle of the first seven at marlinandpercy.com that if they use the code ape power, all one, all together, the word ape and then power, uh, they can get, I think it's a 40% discount on that bundle, save seven, eight bucks. And uh, if they've got kids or grandkids that, that they're trying to inspire to read or wants just some wholesome content for them, um, would love the opportunity to serve them in that way as well. Wow. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm sure my listeners will be very thankful for all that. So they have people, Matt Miller, a genuine saint giving it all back. Love it. Uh, again, Matt, thank you very much. Cause that's been, I mean, wow. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Daniel. God bless you, man. Appreciate the opportunity. Likewise. And that's it for this episode of the turning point. As ever, I've been your host, Daniel Moore. And today's guest has been the awesome, uh, Matt Miller. And together we can make one of life's biggest hurdles that much easier to overcome.